opened up. The legends and the superstitions of Kildare did not move him, and he laughed when the peasants first refused to help, and then cursed him and went away to Ballylou with their few belongings as they saw his determination. In their place, he sent for laborers from the north, and when the servants left, he replaced them likewise, but it was lonely among strangers, so Barry had asked me to come. When I heard the fears which had driven the people from Kildare, I laughed as loudly as my friend had laughed. For these fears were the vaguest, wildest, and most absurd character. They had to do with preposterous legend of the bog and a grim guardian spirit that dwelt in a strange old and ruin on the far islet I had seen in the sunset. There were tales of dancing lights in the dark of the moon and of chill winds when the night was warm, of wraiths in white hovering over the waters, and of an imagined city of stone deep down below the swampy surface. But foremost among the weird fancies, and alone in its absolute unanimity, was that of the curse awaiting him who should dare to touch or drain the vast reddish morass. There were secrets, said the peasants, which must not be uncovered. Secrets that had lain hidden since the plague came to the children of Parthalon in the fabulous years beyond history. In the Book of Invaders, it is told that these sons of the Greeks were all buried in Talat. But old men in Kildare said that one city was overlooked save by the patron moon goddess, so that only the wooded hills buried it when the men of Nemet swept down from Skydia in their thirty ships. <laughs> Such were the idle tales which had made the villagers leave Kildare, and when I heard them, I did not wonder that Denny's Berry had refused to listen. He had, however, a great interest in antiquities and proposed to explore the bog thoroughly when it was drained. The white ruins on the islet he'd often visited, but though their age was plainly great and the contour very little like that of most ruins in Ireland, they were too dilapidated to tell the days of their glory. Now the work of drainage was ready to begin, and the laborers from the north were soon to strip the forbidden bog of its green moss and red heather, and kill the tiny shell-paved streamlets and quiet blue pools fringed with rushes. After Barry had told me these things, I was very drowsy for the travels of the day had been wearying, and my host had talked late into the night. A manservant showed me to my room, which was in a remote tower overlooking the village, and the plain at the edge of the bog and the bog itself so that I could see from my windows in the moonlight the silent roofs from which the peasants had fled and which now sheltered the laborers from the north, and two, the parish church with its antique spire, and far out across the brooding bog, the remote, olden ruin on the islet gleaming white and spectral. Just as I dropped to sleep, I fancy I heard faint sounds from a distant, sounds that were wild and half musical, and stirred me with a weird excitement which colored my dreams. But when I awaked next morning, I felt it had all been a dream, for the visions I had seen were more wonderful than any sound of wild pipes in the night. Influenced by the legends that Barry had related, my mind had in slumber hovered around a stately city in a green valley where marble streets and statues, villas and temples, carvings and inscriptions all spoke in certain tones the glory that was Greece. When I told this to Barry, we had both laughed, but I laughed the louder because he was perplexed about his laborers from the north. For the 
sixth time they had all overslept, waking very slowly and dazedly and acting as if they had not rested, although they were known to have gone early to bed the night before. That morning and afternoon I wandered alone through the sun-gilded village and talked now and then with idle laborers. For Barry was busy with the final plans for beginning his work of drainage. The laborers were not as happy as they might have been, for most of them seemed uneasy over some dream which they had had, yet which they tried in vain to remember. I told them of my dream, but they were not interested till I spoke the weird sounds I had thought I'd heard. Then they looked oddly at me and said that they seemed to remember weird sounds too. In the evening, Barry dined with me and announced that he would begin the drainage in two days. I was glad, for although I disliked to see the moss and the heather and the little streams and lakes depart, I had a growing wish to discern the ancient secrets, the deep matted peace.